Hello and welcome to Is It Me or Is It Them? This is a podcast for those of us who want to take responsibility for our half of our relationships and how we show up in our lives and our conflicts and our conversations, but are tired of trying to clean up the mess on other people's side of the yard. This is for you if you want to be able to set better boundaries without feeling like you're bulldozing anyone, and if you want more harmony and closeness, but are tired of sacrificing yourself to get it. I'm April Boyd, and I'm a psychotherapist, couples counselor, and relationship expert, and today we're going to be talking about toxic friends and friendship breakups. This is a topic that seems to be really missing in some ways from our culture, and yet it actually has huge impact in our lives and in our social circles. I've talked to so many women that have experienced deep grief and confliction and have really suffered over the end of their friendships with women that they have maybe known for a very long time or that they felt very close to, and yet for some reason had to make the decision to step back and let that person go. So today I'm going to be talking with you about what is a toxic friend and what is it that makes it so hard for us to step back to protect ourselves during the times when we need to and what is it that keeps us stuck tolerating a relationship dynamic that might be toxic or potentially even abusive so when we think about the idea of what is a toxic friend for me this can show up in a lot of ways and forms And having kind of a bit of an outline can make it easier to check in as you're maybe thinking about some of the relationships in your life and trying to figure out this question of, is it me or is it them? So one of the things that I think of as being a red flag for a toxic friend is this idea that you only hear from them when they need something. That's that friend that, you know, when everything's going well in her life, she's nowhere to be found. She doesn't check in on you. She doesn't follow up on you to ask how your job interview went or, you know, how your summer's going. But you're definitely going to hear from her when she's fighting with her husband or needs your help to look over her resume or something's going on in her life that she just wants to vent about. And then when she's had that need satisfied by your listening ear, you actually don't hear from her again until the next situation comes up in her life and she wants more of your support, your attention, and your care. The other thing that I think of as being a significant red flag for a toxic friend is if you notice that you cannot really be yourself when you're around her. When you just kind of observe yourself as you're hanging out with somebody, do you notice yourself laughing at things that you don't necessarily find funny? That's a red flag. If you notice that you have to change who you are when you're with her, that you're maybe you're making yourself somehow smaller, dumber, less than, and maybe you're even hiding or avoiding talking about the stuff that the good stuff that's happening in your life because 
you know on some level that that's going to trigger her or bother her and she's not going to be interested in hearing about what you are actually really excited about or your accomplishments or what's going well for you. These are really big red flags that something that's off in this relationship. Now this one is a big one and It should be kind of obvious, but I think some of us get really stuck in tolerating it anyways. The red flag is that she's straight up mean to you or other people. If you have a friend who insults you either subtly or not so subtly, and it's hard to tell if maybe she's just joking or maybe she does actually just kind of like putting you down. This friend might find ways to kind of just attack you or embarrass you, especially in front of other people, and you kind of get the sense that she's always competing with you. So if you tell this friend and try to set a boundary with her and she continues to do that insulting, embarrassing kind of thing, that's a bit of a red flag for sure. The other one is not necessarily toxic in terms of her characteristics as a friend, but it's toxic in impact because the fact is everything that we do and everyone that we hang out with has a direct impact on us. So this toxic relationship is that she's just not a good match for what you're looking for in a friend. So let's say that she's looking for somebody who is just an activity buddy somebody company basically that she has if she wants to go to a workout class or go and do an activity or have somebody to go out for lunch with but you're maybe looking for a deeper more genuine connection and or maybe you're interested in talking about personal development or some place where you can actually be fully real share the stuff that's on your mind really share what's going on in your world really and they're just not available for that right and maybe it's vice versa maybe you're the friend that's just looking for somebody to kind of have a light easy chit chat and hang out and the other person you know is looking for deeper connection and you're just not available for that at this point in your life right now for whatever it is that's you know, maybe your plate's already really full or you're mentally exhausted. It's just this match that when we continue to kind of force it and hang out anyways, we inevitably end up a bit resentful and dreading hanging out with that person. I read this um, article somewhere and it was basically just talking about when somebody's wanting to, you know, when you run into that old friend and, you know, that you haven't seen in a while or that acquaintance that you haven't seen in a while and they say, hey, we should really get together for lunch. And we all kind of have that instinct to say, yeah, sure, give me a call. But there's kind of this idea of radical truth telling. And if the truth is that your plate is just full and you're not available for lunch with one more person right now, it's actually totally okay to say that. I so enjoyed running in with you. Really, my plate's super full, but like I look forward to seeing you the next time that we're at this kind of event again. It's okay. That's kind of just the human truth experience of it. Another red flag is that you just don't trust them. I had an experience happen one time where I was invited to come and be a part of something, the social gathering, and I caught myself as I was deciding whether or not I was going to attend. I caught myself thinking, 
uh, if I don't go, they're probably going to talk about me a bit if I'm not there. And then I kind of realized what I was just saying to myself. And I was like, oh my goodness, not only is this a reason to not go this time, (laughs) this is probably a really good reason to never go again, ever. If you're having to go and participate in a relationship or a friendship because you're worried about being kind of attacked behind your back or that in some way or form you're going to be a bit of a target for them if you don't, that's a really good sign that that's probably not a great and healthy place for you to be. The last one is someone who just doesn't really care about you. The relationship is a bit of a one-way street kind of dynamic. And again, an example of this that came up for me one time was I knew someone that was organizing an activity, a social activity, and she'd invited me to come and be a part of it. And I had said, oh, you know what? I'm not going to be able to make it. My plate's full right now. And I could tell that she was both disappointed and annoyed that I was not coming to participate. And when I had said to her, you know, my plate's full right now. I've got a lot of stuff that I'm trying to work on and wrap up. I noticed something else. Not only was she annoyed and disappointed, but I noticed that she actually had no interest in why I wasn't coming. Even though I had just shared with her that I was working on things that were important to me, I realized that there was no follow-up question. Oh yeah, what is it that you have on your plate? What is it? What are you working on? What is it that makes this so important to you? She had no curiosity in my life. And so back in the day, you know, if that was like 10 years ago, I probably just would have noticed that she was disappointed and annoyed and kind of been stuck in that. But I've done my work (laughs) and I was now also able to notice that even though I was empathetic to her disappointment and I could feel that, I also could see the other piece of information being presented, which was that she wasn't actually interested in my life or who I am. And that's okay. But then it really gave me full permission to not feel guilty about not going. So this brings us to what are really the three things that keep us stuck in toxic friendships? So the first thing I see that really keeps a lot of us stuck, and I think this one actually used to be a major one for me that when I think about it now, probably cost me years of being in not great relationships and wasted a lot of my time and energy, I would get really stuck on tracking somebody's intention versus impact. And so if somebody did something that was frustrating or not okay or upset me or crossed a boundary for me, There would be times where I would focus more on thinking about and trying to understand what their intention was behind that than I would in thinking about what the impact of that action had been on me. And here's the thing. Most people 
are good people who are kind of just bumping along through life as we all are. And so the reality is that we are all unintentionally stepping on people's feet all the time, right? That's kind of just the human experience. But because I would continually go to this place and say, "Ah, okay, she didn't mean to really leave me hanging in this situation or moment. She didn't mean to cause me harm or pain. And because I would basically make that the target of my focus, she didn't mean to hurt me. I would not fully address the fact that harm had been done that I had been hurt, or that something had happened that really was not okay and shouldn't have happened. And so we get into this place where we almost kind of find excuses for other people's behavior and let it go, instead of really getting honest with ourselves about, you know what, every time I hang out with this person, or nearly every time I hang out with this person, I end up feeling really drained and exhausted or had my feelings hurt. And so we can kind of get into this place of tolerating things instead of addressing them, right? And so maybe that's an area where a boundary setting conversation needed to be had in more of a direct way. Or maybe that's also just noticing the bottom line is that even though they didn't mean to hurt you, Harm is being done over and over and over again. And so what do you need to do to actually acknowledge and take care of your own harm? And can you redirect the focus of your attention from trying to decode and figure out and analyze their intention and sit with just the facts that you are potentially being impacted This brings us to the second thing that keeps us stuck in toxic friendships. Guilt. Guilt. The word guilt always kind of feels a bit funny for me because it seems almost a bit abstract in some ways and a bit intangible. But when I think about guilt, you know, and in this situation, what we're really just talking about is that you feel like a bad person when you think about the idea of not continuing to maintain contact and not continuing to be available for this person in your life. So this feeling of guilt, this feeling of feeling like you're a bad person if you step away from somebody is a major, major sticking point for so many women. And I think in some ways this is part of our social conditioning where we're taught that really being a nice person means that someone else's needs come first and is essentially other people are more important than we are. If we're being a nice person, we are giving of ourselves. If we're being a nice person, right, we're letting them have whatever it is that they need and they want, even if it means that we go without. And I think that's a really outdated model. I think the relationships that I'm interested in these days are really more about reciprocity and equality and genuine real connection and mutual support and mutual care. So 
The other thing that happens with this idea of guilt as keeping us in toxic relationships is that we tend to interpret the fact that we still care about this person as evidence that we should be keeping them in our lives. And the truth is, you know, when I talked to one of my clients recently, she was saying that there was this friend who used to be her very best friend. They were very close. And she's had no contact with them for years because there had just been, you know, so many things that had happened that eventually she had to get to the point of saying, it's no longer good for me to continue to participate in this friendship. And the truth is, is that that's actually really sad and comes with a lot of grief. And so this client of mine, you know, had shared with me that even though years had gone by, she still regularly thought of this person and regularly experienced missing this person. And that's actually completely normal. Of course you miss that person, right? And of course that feels bad to think about stepping away from them, especially when you are a good-hearted person who does form genuine bonds, who does genuinely care about somebody else's well-being and who certainly does not want to cause anybody pain or hurt or hurt someone's feelings. But here's the thing. You can care about someone and keep your distance. You can forgive someone and not allow them back into your life. And this is really important to notice. You can still have care for someone and still have love for someone and choose to protect yourself if their presence in your life causes you pain and harm and drains you. It's not either or. Both of these things are allowed to be true which also means you can still be a really good person and protect yourself when you need to protect yourself. These things are not mutually exclusive. And I think especially as women, we're kind of taught that they are, that they do cancel each other out. If we're being a really good person, I'm going to let you continue to come over, even though you hurt my feelings, even though you take up all my time, even though you drain me and you don't actually ask me how I'm doing or care about what's going on in my life, right? So here's what I want you to know. You absolutely do not owe anyone your time or energy Unless we're talking about your kids or, you know, the things that are required to maintain a healthy relationship with your own partner, you do not owe anyone else your time and precious energy. Everything else should have some form of reciprocity to it unless you're literally doing volunteer work. And maybe this is a friend that it falls into that category with you. I remember talking to a friend of mine a long time ago. This was like years and years ago. And we were talking about her decision to maintain contact with a previous friend that I had distanced myself from. And when I asked her about why she was continuing to stay connected, she had said, you know what? I really care about this person's kids. I really want to be a positive presence in their life. And, you know, even though this person exhausts me, drains me, 
only reaches out when they need something or want something. Essentially, this is kind of an act of service for me that I'm willing to kind of keep giving of myself for this relationship, even though I give nothing back. And so when we actually look at it, my friend was very clear in her own motivation and her own decision to maintain contact in this relationship that very much functioned like a one-way street, right? I will give to you knowing that you don't really ever give back to me, right? That this is not a reciprocal relationship where we look out for each other. This is a relationship where it's my job to look out for you. And so I thought it was really cool that really my friend was so clear on what her own intentions were and that that was where she was firmly planted, which is very different than just going through the motions of being in a relationship where essentially what you're doing is volunteer work without really owning it, that that's essentially the dynamic of that relationship and making an intentional choice that I'm choosing to do this, even though I know that this is essentially more like volunteer work than actual friendship. And that's okay if that's what that is for you. It's just about owning that decision. The third thing that seems to keep people really stuck in toxic friendships is that you're not valuing your own time, your own energy, or your own well-being. You're not actually valuing your own worth. So this kind of comes from the idea, this kind of misguided idea that a lot of women carry, which is that you're supposed to be fine no matter what life throws at you, no matter how busy your schedule is, no matter how many fires you have to put out this week, no matter what happens, you're somehow supposed to be fine no matter what. And the flip side of this coin is what we're really talking about is a basic core belief that other people's needs matter and mine do not. So if we start to get really honest, there's a massive, massive cost for carrying that kind of core belief around with you. And even if we just look at it in really practical terms, one lunch with a friend that causes you pain, hurts your feelings, stresses you out, or exhausts you is not neutral, right? We tend to think, ah, I'll just go and get this done. It's not that big a deal. It's just lunch. And I see people almost kind of just saying yes to those kinds of activities with toxic people in their life, essentially to just be able to avoid an issue and kind of cross it off their list. Okay, I went, I I did that. Now, maybe I won't have to do that again for another month or so. But this is not neutral. This is actually super damaging. If we get really honest and just even look at the practical dynamic of what that time takes from you. Let's say it's two hours. You're going to go and do a two-hour lunch with a toxic friend. First off, it's not just two hours. 
you had to get ready, you had to make whatever arrangements that it needed to happen for you to be able to step away from maybe your kids or your households or whatever that is, pack up all your stuff, drive across town, find parking. We're now looking at realistically a two-hour lunch is really a three-hour event. So my question for you becomes, what would you love to do if you were given an extra three hours this week? If you had a bonus three hours suddenly available to you this week, what would you want to do with it? Would you want to catch up with a friend that you actually do really benefit from that relationship with and it's been a while since you've caught up with her? Would you want to prep all your meals for the week? Three hours is six 30-minute workouts. Would you love to be taking care of your body and your health in that way? That's a huge, huge boost of time. Would you want to read a book? Have a nap? Be more available for your partner and have time to actually sit and have a cup of tea and talk with them? Would you love to just be able to slow down and rest? This is massive. So we tend to kind of treat our time as if it doesn't matter and that there's no impact for the things that we choose to say yes to and the things that we choose to say no to. But when we get really honest and actually look at the cost, and that's just the practical cost, that's not even counting the emotional labor (laughs) that it takes to make sense of something that happened or didn't happen during that lunch. That's not even counting the energy that it takes when we leave a strange or hurtful interaction and we spend that whole car ride home trying to make sense of why that felt so uncomfortable or off. That doesn't even count the time that you might be lying awake at night trying to figure out, should I have said something different? Should I set a better boundary there? Oh, I wish I had said this or this when she said that. All of that, all of that emotional energy labor that just becomes an invisible cost. But the reality is, this is what you're giving of yourself all the time. So I would argue that We have to start treating our own selves with more respect, with more kindness, with more dignity for ourselves and everyone else involved. And sometimes that means taking responsibility for our participation, for our co-creation of this crappy negative dynamic that we just keep going by continuing to be an active participant in it. So here are some things that you can consider if you're looking at possibly wanting to take more distance from someone who in your life that might have a toxic impact for you. So first, you're allowed to be less available. 
This one is actually super easy to do. All you actually have to do is say no a little bit more often. And when you start to do this, you might notice how much of a built-in habit for you it has been to say yes. So practice just using phrases like, I'm sorry, I can't make it. I already have plans. And please know you have the right to have plans, not just obligations. Oh, I'd love to come, but I absolutely have to go to this other appointment instead. You're allowed to just have other plans. My plan is often to do things that support my top priorities in a week, that help me get done the tasks that I feel like are meaningful and important or that serve my clients or my community in the best way. It might be about getting other things done that have been sitting on my to-do list for weeks and weeks. It might even be about honoring a commitment to keep up my workouts or read the book that I've been wanting to read for a while. Maybe you even just want to be able to feel like you're not just running from one thing to the next all week long. I can't make it. I already have plans. And I remember talking to a client one time. Oh, there was my barking dog. And I remember talking to a client one time. And the client had said to me, you know, they were looking at backing out of a commitment that they'd made. And they were like, well, what do I even say? And I said, maybe you just say, hey, sorry, but I need to let you know that I'm going to have to reschedule this appointment that we have. And they were like, well, but what do I give as the reason? I'm like, why do you need to give a reason? And I'm really fascinated with this question. Why do we feel like we have to prove to somebody that our decision of where we choose to invest our time needs somebody else's seal of approval or permission right? It's like, I have to prove to you that if I'm not coming, I have a good enough reason to not come. Instead, start to just treat yourself with a little more respect and give yourself permission to say, I can't make it. I already have plans. And that includes the things that you legitimately want to go and do. There's often times where I want to go and do something, but the fact is I do have other plans for my day. And even if I have the option to be able to cancel those plans or break those commitments or suddenly make myself available, I'm allowed to say that's not necessarily in my own best interest to do that. So I can't make it. I have other plans. The other thing is when we look at this idea, have you asked them to change? Have you made a direct, clear request for them to change this thing that's causing you harm or stress in this relationship. And I don't mean, have you dropped hints? Because so often when I talk to my clients and they say, yeah, I let her know. And when we actually look at it, all she did was drop hints. And I think that we actually do this a lot. We think that we're being really clear and really direct, but The other person is not getting the message and they're not getting the message because you're not actually sending it in a clear way. Instead, 
you're dropping hints, you're leaving clues, you're making passive-aggressive comments, and how are they supposed to know? So being mad at somebody for not giving you what you never asked for is like getting mad at a waiter at a restaurant for not bringing you water that you never told them that you wanted. We have to take responsibility for asking for what we need. And if we ask for what you need in a really clear way, and the person continues to do that thing that causes you pain or harm, then now you have really good information to work with, right? Now it might be more logical to conclude that they're not actually willing or able to have the kind of connection with you that you're looking to have. So the third thing that I would say, the last thing actually I wanna offer is that when we look at these three things, recognizing the cost, making yourself less available, and asking for the change that you need in an open and honest way, you can start to really take responsibility for your own wellness, for your own health, for your own emotional well-being, and to really start showing up in your relationships in a fuller, stronger, and also kinder way. So I would love to hear from you. Which of these things really stood out the most for you today? What are you taking from this? And if you know someone that would really benefit from hearing this episode today, I would love it so much if you shared it with them. That would really help me on my mission to get this out and reach as many women as possible that would benefit from this content. So I thank you so much for sharing this time with me. It means the world to me. And I can't wait to chat with you again next week. See you then.